Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Welcome back to Lazy Brain. It is 8.08 p.m. October 14th, 2018 when I'm recording this. And uh, I don't really have any topics. I thought I'd be more prepared this time, but I feel like at least my consistency to sit down and record is a good thing. Um, This is becoming slowly just me documenting my life and I'm having a good time doing that but to make it more interesting maybe we can go to oh here's something I have bookmarked it's very interesting it is the Wikipedia for Henrietta Lacks um I remember my grandma was reading a book about her and it was really interesting I'll read like the first four paragraphs of this Henrietta Lacks, born Loretta Pleasant, August 1st, 1920 to October 4th, 1951, was an African-American woman whose cancer cells are the source of the Hella cell line. I think it's Hella. Uh, The first immortalized cell line and one of the most important cells in medical research. An immortalized cell line reproduces indefinitely under specific uh, conditions. And the Hele cell line continues to be a source of invaluable medical data to the present day. Lax was the unwitting source of these cells from a tumor biopsy during treatment for cervical cancer at John Hopkins Hospital in Baltimore, Maryland in 1951. These cells were then cultured by George Otto Gay, who created the cell line known as Hele. Uh, Hella or Hele, which is still used for medical research, as well as as was then the practice, no consent was obtained to culture her cells, nor were she or her family compensated for their extraction or use. Lax grew up in rural Virginia after giving birth to two children. She married her cousin, hmm, David Day Lax, in 1941, the young family moved to Turner Station near Dundalk, Maryland, in Baltimore City, in Baltimore County, so Day could work in Bethlehem Steel at Sparrows Point. After Lax had given birth to their fifth child, she was diagnosed with cancer. Tissue samples from her tumors were taken without consent during treatment, and these samples were then subsequently cultured to the Hella cell line. Even though some information about the origins of Hella's immortalized cell lines was known to researchers after 1970, the Lacks family was not made aware of the line's existence until 1975. With knowledge of the cell line's genetic provenance becoming public, its use for medical research and for commercial purposes continues to raise concerns about privacy and patients' rights. She died in 1951. Wow, and her family didn't even know about it until... 1975 i think it's really interesting and i don't know how if she had known before she died i wonder how she would have felt because me even though it was taken without my consent i think that i wouldn't be too angry because it was helping people who were diagnosed with cancer like i i uh have aml leukemia or i had it I'm in remission now, and I know if there was anything I could do that could help in that way, such as, I don't know, my cells. I remember before I was diagnosed with cancer, I would donate blood. Uh, I just, I think that it's important to help out in any way that way, so I would be okay with it, though the privacy concerns do bother me a little bit. That's the thing that 
has me worried about the about the twenty one and me type stuff where they take your DNA samples and you know give you your genetics background but then at the same time I from my understanding that there may be concerns that they can just have your genetic information to use for what they want you know and I don't know on one hand it might be cool because maybe it would be like Henrietta Lacks where your cells are used to help fight cancer or they could be used to deny you insurance in the, in the future, you know. So, I mean, it's, I don't know. It's a weird thing. This is an oddly more serious episode. I think it's because I took some melatonin. It really kind of brings me down a little bit. Melatonin is so weird. For a while, I was taking like every night and then... I was going to therapy and talking to them about it, and they were like, well, yeah, I can give you weird dreams. And it seems like after that, I just don't like taking it anymore. But I'm trying to get on a schedule now. So, you know, it's 8.14. I'd like to be in bed by, like, 10. And I have so, I've always had such trouble sleeping since I was a kid. I think it's because, especially when I was younger, I would get a lot of anxiety at night. But now it's just because I don't want to go to bed. You know what I mean? It's like... I guess I get caught up with the whole internet thing. You're on Twitter, you're on Instagram, you're on YouTube, you're watching videos, you're doing this, you're looking up Henrietta Lacks, you're doing all these different things. So it's like you don't really want to go to bed. Even though you're on the you're on the edge of going to sleep, like if you just force yourself to do it, you probably could get to sleep, you know? I'm. It seems like every night I'm like that. And then I'll wake up the next day at like 9 or 10 o'clock even though that's early for some people, for me, I wish I could get up at like six. That would be dope. And then be able to just have a very productive day until 10 o'clock and then go to bed at 10 and get a really regimented schedule. There are some people, though, that like there's um this Marine. He gets up at 4.30 every morning. I follow him on Instagram. 4.30 every morning and just hits the gym. And then he always takes a picture of it, black and white picture always, of the aftermath of him with a pool of sweat at like 5.30 or like 6. Like by the time, like before I've even gotten close to waking up, he's already done more in his day. But then again, you don't get much sleep. That scares me a little bit, the fact that if you don't sleep enough, you can really, really harm yourself. They say you should get eight hours of sleep, but they've always said that, you know. But it's like, man, you could do so much more if you didn't sleep as much. But then again, I'm not going to be that productive. I think you, when it comes to stuff like that, you just have to be very self-aware and be able to tell yourself and know, you know, I'm not going to use that time productively. I should sleep. That would be a more productive use of my time to try to get an eight hours amount of sleep and then try to maximize what I do with, you know, the most health, healthful amount of rest that I can do, you know, my day's production. My mom made butter chicken tonight. She's so good at making butter chicken. It's insane. I usually don't like Indian food, but man, when she makes it, gets that half and half, it's so unhealthy. But it's delicious. It's so good. It's better than at Indian buffets. We went to an Indian buffet here in my hometown. And always the the chicken is all like it, the sauce or masala. I don't know what you'd call it. The gravy, 
looks better than hers. It's usually like a lighter, more orange, pretty color. But the chicken and the flavor isn't as good. The chicken itself is like in these very tiny strips. Almost like if you ever had like big league chewing gum, you know, when you were a kid, big league chew. The chicken is cut into little strips like that. And there's hardly any chicken in there. And then the sauce is just very light, you know. But my mom makes very robust sauce. The chicken is in cubes. Chicken thigh, not chicken breast. Dark meat's way better for stuff like that. Someone I watched the other day was doing another Asian dish. And it was... Well, I guess... I don't know if you would call it Asian. It's from Panda Express, the orange chicken. But Panda Express was started by Chinese people. I don't know. How does that work? Does it... Does the type of food... Do you like do we call Indian food Indian food because it it comes from India or is it because it's made by Well no cuz like any ethnicity but like who creates it That's it Is it based on the ethnicity of the person who created it or is it based off of the country of origin that it was invented That's really weird I wonder what that would be because say it was it was Invented by an Indian man, but he lived in, like, Russia. Would that food be an Indian dish, or would it be a Russian dish? I think it's country of origin. Because it's more, we attribute the dish to the culture of the society, rather than the ethnic, yeah. I don't know. I am really, I'm not high... But man, the melatonin really gets to you. I think about the weirdest things. Baltimore, Maryland. That's where Henry, Henry Adelax was from. That's where Logic is from, the rapper. You guys know who that is? His name's Logic. He had the thing on the AMAs. I think it was the AMAs, American Music Awards, where he did his song, the 1-800, which was the you know National Suicidal Hotline number. That was the title of the song, and it was about anti-suicide. And he had all the people get on stage, and they held hands and sang together. People, you know, family members of suicide victims and survivors of suicide attempt, you know. How does that, how do you guys feel about that? The fact that on one hand he's raising awareness, but on the other hand he's profiting from it. Because from what I hear, like, from, because I remember at the time I was looking it up, and I was like, so is he donating the money that he's getting from this song that went viral? Or is he profiting from it and just keep pocketing it all? I don't know. From what I could find, he didn't donate it. Now, that might be untrue. I don't know. From I haven't looked it up since then, but I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, on one hand, you get the... You get the positives of people learning about it, and it's becoming you know easier to talk about because of that, and people more people just know the phone number, you know. And at the same time, like, is it morally kind of gross to like exploit people's emotions and then make money off of it? That then doesn't help the community that you're exploiting. I don't know. I guess the actual effects, positive effects, outweighs the potential philosophical issues of it, you know? 
this is a rather deep episode. But I'm tired of like I think before they like before this, I felt like I needed to be, you know, I don't know. I watch a lot of David Dobrik vlogs and that's definitely like I love it. I love those things. I love the vibe of their group and it's just very high octane, especially David's vlogs are very high octane, happy, energetic vlogs. But it's just not really who I am. And you shouldn't try to be anything that you're not. Really with stuff like this, I think it just takes consistency and the audience will come. And if you guys are listening and you're fans of mine, uh, I mean, I don't know. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. And if I bring you any sort of happiness, I'm grateful for that. Then maybe not. Maybe uh, this no one wants to talk. I don't know why I'm talking about this. I don't really have anything else. I really want to start writing down topics. The Henry Adelax thing was pretty cool. What type of... It, there's parts, there's like contents on her wiki page. What type of cancer did she have? John Hotshoot. On August 8th, 1951, who was 31 years... Lax, who was 31 years old, went to John Hopkins for a routine treatment session and asked to be admitted due to severe abdominal pain. Uh... Received blood transfusions and remained at the hospital until her death until on October 4th, 1951. Oh, really? She died like a few months later. She had cancer that metastasized throughout her whole body. So I guess they don't know which type of cancer it was. Maybe at the time they didn't even know. Which that's the ironic part is if is that if she had like if they had access to her cells before that, they probably would have figured out what it was. Like, it was because of her that people now, I mean, who know? I mean, I don't know how it works, but maybe I got my tre- my diagnosis as early as I did because of her. That's so crazy. It's beautiful and then kind of tragic in a way. After giving birth, Lex had a severe hemorrhage. Her primary care doctor tested her for syphilis. She came back negative and referred her to John Hopkins. And then there, her doctor, Howard W. Jones, took a biopsy of the mass on Lax's cervix for laboratory testing. Soon after, Lax was told that she had a malignant epidermoid carcinoma of the cervix. 1970, physicians discovered that she had been misdiagnosed and actually had adenocarcinoma. This was a common mistake at the time, and the treatment would not have differed. Aden, Aden, yo, carcinoma. What is that? I can't. There's no way I can pronounce that. Aden, adenocarcinoma, plural adenocarcinomas or ad adenocarcinomata, is a type of cancerous tumor that can occur in several parts of the body. It is defined as neoplasia or epithelial tissue that has glandular origin. Glandular characteristics are both. Aden carcinomas are part of the larger group of carcinomas, but are also sometimes called by more precise terms omitting the word, where these exist. Thus, invasive ductal carcinoma is the most common form of breast cancer. Is, uh, thus, invasive ductal carcinoma. The most common form of breast cancer is adenocarcinoma, but does not use the term, however. Uh, esophageal adenocarcinoma does 
to distinguish it from the other common type of esophageal cancer. This is so much. So I guess it's a growth that can just go to different parts of the body. So it's tumors. What's the definition of cancer? Because I had a blood cancer. I think what it is, is a blood, like just cancers in general are just an over, you know, overgrowth of a cell. And it just keeps going and going. My cancer specifically, uh, AML, was, I believe, it may have been platelets. I think it was the, no, I had low platelets. There was some cell that grew and split way too much. And then in turn, because there were so many of the cells and they were underdeveloped, the job that that cell was supposed to do wasn't happening. And also it prevented platelets from being produced. It's very weird stuff. And I don't think they know what causes it. It might be a genetic mutation. And I think the what the treatment does, the cancer treatment, what it did was it went through and sort of convinced my body to switch back that whatever it was that switched on the overproduction, somehow the cancer treatment switched it back so that there's normal production again, which is, how do you figure this stuff out, man? Like, I'm reading it and it's just, I mean, it's a different language. There's so much. Again, maybe it was her, maybe it was her, you know. And a lot of smart people. It's, it's pretty crazy. There's a lot of those things. Like, you'd be surprised at how many things in your life that you just take for granted that has so much thought put behind it. I remember I took a class uh, about typography, which was fonts. Like, you go if you go into Windows, like Microsoft Word. Or just any sort of word processor. Go to Google Docs. And go through the fonts list. Every one of those fonts were designed by someone. Like someone sat down and drew the fonts. And they, I guess they got a license for them. I don't know. Maybe they sold them off. All the common ones though are probably like, oh, you know, open domain. Let's look that up. Typography. Search Wikipedia typography. I mean, it's crazy. The art... Oh, yeah. Okay, so typography is the art and technique of arranging type to make written language legible, readable, and appealing when displayed. The arrangement of type involves selecting typefaces, point sizes, line lengths, line spacing, which is called leading, and letter spacing, which is called tracking, and adjusting the space between pairs of letters, which is called kerning. The term typography is also applied to the style, arrangement, and appearance of the letters. Typography do Typographers do not design typefaces. Oh, and some types designers do not consider themselves typographers. So what are they? Typography also may be used as a decorative device unrelated to communication of information. Typography is the work of typesetters, also known as compositors. Okay, but some typesetters don't consider themselves typographers. Type design is closely related craft, sometimes considered part of most. Oh, okay. 
So type design. That's what I'm thinking of. That's what I thought was crazy. Type design is the art and process of designing typefaces. It is also it is often used synonymously synonymously with the term font design. Technically, font design is the rendering of typeface design into an entire available family of keyboardable characters, while typeface design is the shaping of individual glyphs, albeit with an eye to the eventual incorporation as a font. For the purposes of this article, the term typeface will do design will include the design of fonts so what's it called when you like so font design is the jesus again very simple thing that there's so much thought put into it there's a whole there's a whole industry there's someone right now who works nine to five maybe longer hours at home just figuring out typeface i mean think about that and we all just, I'm reading typeface. There's a name for this font that's been used on Wikipedia. I don't know what it is, but there's a name for it. And someone designed it. Then someone figured out how to, I guess the typographer figured out the spacing for each letter. The kerning. I mean, that's crazy. Israeli typographer Henry uh, Freidlander Fred, Fred examines... Hadassah Hebrew typeface sketches. The sequence was shot in his study in Mozalit near Jerusalem in 1978. So that was just a picture of him reading something. FontForge, an open source application for developing digital fonts. So there's a whole application to just design your own font. Wow. Typography is pretty old. People get really weird about fonts. What was the one that everyone... Comic Sans. I remember teachers in school hated if you use Comic Sans. I don't understand. Like, does it change the... Like, in, like if you write... Like, say someone rewrites Shakespeare all in Comic Sans. Does that change the fact that it's beautiful language? No, it doesn't. But people are so weird about having something be just right. I just, you know, chill out, man. You're still reading it. I'm still... What's the point? It just... I mean, I guess maybe it just looks more uniform. I don't know. But why should it be? Just let it all hang out, you know? If I knew a Shakespeare quote that would apply to this moment, I would use it. But I don't. I'm not that smart. Is that smart? That's not intelligence. That's just someone memorizing quotes, what someone else wrote. Here I am trying to come up with things to say out off of my own head, but instead I'm reading Wikipedia, which is something someone else wrote. So I'm not that smart. Uh, that started out with me trying to give myself a compliment, and it ended up something totally different. It's 8.32. How long have I been talking? It has been 23 minutes. Wow. And I talked about just utter nonsense. But maybe you enjoyed it, maybe you didn't. But I'm glad that I got a second a second episode up this week. I'm so happy, especially if you've listened to it yourself. I hope you had a great time and learned maybe a little something. Look up Henrietta Lacks. Maybe look up her family, send them a thank you or something. I don't know. I might do that. Enjoy your life. Be kind to yourself. This is Lazy Brain.